Friday. We've got a movie review, and it's not the movie we thought we'd be reviewing this week. We really thought we'd be reviewing Dear Evan Hansen, as we are both huge fans of the musical, and we're definitely anticipating seeing the film. We will still do that. We will still see the movie, trust us. Um, but for now, we had to do some shuffling of chairs with the schedule. And so we swung back to get to review a film that stars Nicolas Cage called mm-hmm. Pig. And Kirk and I have a long storied love of Nicolas Cage and mostly memes of Nicolas Cage. There was a period <laughs> of time, uh, a long period of time, where Kirk and I would, we told each other that we could only react to things with Nicolas Cage gifts and memes. And we yeah. did so for, for a very, very long time. And it was one of the happiest periods of, of my entire life, I have to say. There was even one week that was dedicated to no communication except, except Nicholas yes. Cage memes or gifts. Yeah, which was extraordinarily difficult. But at the same time, not as hard as you would think. Because the catalog <laughs> of such content is so deep that you could really... I convinced you could write a book with like a pretty coherent book of just Nicolas Cage memes and gifts. Yes. You've heard of BJ Novak's the book with no pictures. What if we had (laughs) the book of Nicolas Cage gifts uh, and memes? This is, this is coming soon from popcorn for breakfast. Yeah, I think it would be great. I, like I said, I I really did enjoy that period of time. They were always hilarious and you would even, (laughs) we would use the same ones over and over again. Like, um, I don't know which one that is. I don't know which movie it's from. Maybe it's the wicker man where he slaps that old lady. Uh, (laughs) That's a classic. I will always use that video or get that's an all timer. Um, But it's just great. So being able to be back in Nicholas Cage's presence via this movie pig was an honor and a privilege. And we were excited about it. And I can't wait to review this movie. So let's, let's dive into it. Um, I'm synopsing this week. And this movie, it's it's called Pig, P-I-G, just one word, uh, like Madonna. And the basic plot of this film is there's this guy who lives in the woods. His name is Rob. And he has a truffle pig, which, if you didn't know, pigs, I learned this from a video game called Stardew Valley. Pigs can find truffles underneath the ground that are used to make truffle oil and other kinds of delicacies and, uh, you know, they're very popular in like the culinary world because they, they have all these different properties that people can use in cooking and things like that. And so truffle pigs can be a very valuable asset. Well, anyway, he lives out in the woods with his truffle pig and, and they just hang out and they find truffles and they do their thing. Um, one day his pig gets stolen and a la John Wick almost, he goes yeah. to find his pig. That's the whole movie. It's sort of like, Odysseus, it's it's like the Odyssey if Odysseus was just looking for his pig, you know, like he partners up with this guy, Amir, they go and they follow leads to try to find the pig, they get clues, they put the pieces together, they have to get to the end of the story and try to find the pig. Um, that's really it, that's really it. Along the way, there's tons of different revelations about, you know, how Rob was this really famous chef in Portland and like, was the most renowned chef in all of Portland and huge in the culinary scene. And then he vanished off the face of the earth and all this other stuff. There's all these little tie-ins throughout that make the story really rich, but at its crux, it's a guy who loves a pig and he wants the pig back. 
That's it. And that's why it's called pig, quite simply. I don't know if there's anything else to add except one of my favorite scenes. It's absurd, but it's uh, there's an underground culinary fight club that happens yes. in this film. And uh, that, just, that just paints the picture uh, of how how the great lengths that Nicolas Cage went through to get back to his pig. He just like gets pummeled, pummeled and pummeled and pummeled by a very small man in comparison to his stature uh, in order to win back this pig. So he'll do anything to save this pig, anything. Right. And, and the whole time you're like wondering why it's just a pig, right? Like what's going mm-hmm. on? Are the truffles that valuable, whatever. And we'll talk about, you know, what the, what the story sort of ends up being and what it means. And, you know, we'll talk about if it works or not. So let's dive into it. Acting superlatives. I'll, I'll kick us off. Um, uh, highly unsurprisingly, I'm going with Nicolas Cage for my, <laughs> my, my Oscar. My Oscar goes to Mr. Nicolas Cage. And, you know, I got to say, we call this category the Oscar goes to, but there's a real shot for Mr. Nick Cage to snag himself a nomination for this performance, which is a really beautiful, a really, really beautiful performance. Um, What I love about it is how, and this is going to sound like I'm being a tool. I'm not trying to be. It is, the performance is complex because of its simplicity. Like, because he is such a down-to-earth guy and because there's really not much more to him per se. I mean, obviously like the layers of the onions get peeled back as you go through the movie, but really at the end of the day, like everybody's trying to figure out why he wants this pig or what he's about, but really it's just that he cares about the pig. He loves the pig and he loved his wife who passed away. And this pig is, you know, a connection to that. And and it's another, it's another way for him to feel love and to feel a connection when he feels like he's lost that and his world's been turned upside down. So it's one of these things where the performance is profound because it's simple. And that's really a great microcosm for this whole movie. Like it's profound in its simplicity. It's like you want there to be this greater meaning and all this stuff when it's really just like, Hey, there are only, I think they even say like, we don't get much to care about or something like that. In the movie, there's a line where he says, like, we don't give very many things to care about. And that's really the point, is, like, you love, like, loving something is such a rich experience that, like, that's what it's all about. He just loves the pig. He wants the pig. The end. And he gives this performance where it just, you see every layer of what it means to love something. You see the desperation. You see, um, you know, the hopelessness at times whenever you, or the helplessness that you feel sometimes when something you love is, in danger or, or, or something like that. Um, you see every layer of it and it's Nick Cage on full display. He never gives more than he has to. He keeps it totally under control, which it, that discipline is what makes the performance so good because it would be easy to try to overdo it. I think in this role and in a lot of ways it's, it's, it's very tantalizing to want to overdo it because there's very little spoken dialogue and, he didn't do it. He, he, he gave a really profound character study because he was able to keep it under control and because he just gave a really real, honest interpretation of the character the way that it was written. So for me, it's Nicolas Cage. Well, I have some shocking news for you. 
I'm also choosing Nicholas oh, Cage. Oh, dude, I was like, are we about to duke it out right now? <laughs> I chose the pig. <laughs> I chose the pig. Dude would be a great pick. <laughs> Uh, the pig doesn't have enough screen time, unfortunately, uh, to to warrant the best actor award. There there are limitations. There's structure. There's code of conduct. Okay, uh, I don't want deleted scenes to skew my my ideas as well. Nicholas Cage wins this 100. Nicholas Cage. If you don't know him, then you've never seen a movie because his entire goal is quantity over quality. It's that simple. He will not say no to a job. He will, he will simply do as much as he can. Um, and when he gets rejected from jobs, man, he is ticked because he will literally take on any job. This one is one of his quality performances. That's easy to say. He's uh, honestly coming into, I don't know if it's the stories are getting written around Nick Cage recently or if finally he has just become every single story possible and he can embody every single story possible. But this one specifically, I think what fits well for him because you have this man, uh, Cam mentioned several times over, you know, he's desperate. He is, uh, hopeless. He is distraught. He is longing to get back this, this, uh, creature that has brought him comfort. Um, and I think part of that, what we see in Nick Cage is a discovery too, uh, a discovery of how much he lost because on a day-to-day basis, that's his pig. They go out, they hunt for truffles. That's his job, his way of life. And then he goes home. He takes care of that pig because him and that pig are cohabitators. But as he goes along, he is, he's going through all these stages of grief, almost um, not knowing that the end product is that the pig is dead. Sorry if you haven't watched it, Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> but what we see in Nick Cage is that it's just relentless. No matter what, no matter what gets thrown his way, he knows that he has to survive in order to find the pig if there's even a remote chance that it's alive. And so you don't see him in full rage the entire time. No, because he's human. So you see him cracking jokes, uh, very subtle, very subtle jokes, or uh, more so judgments uh, at other people. Um, and there is the scene specifically that like changed um, you know, there's like scenes in movies or, or scripts that like inspire you is that little, those four lines that Rob says, which Cam already touched base on, um, where he's talking to the chef in his, uh, that formerly used to be one of, one of his students basically. And he does say that he says, you don't even see yourself. We don't get a lot of things to really care about. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy how well, uh, he delivered that line, uh, Nicholas Cage, and it really stuck with me. And I want those four lines written, embroidered somewhere in front of me at all times because they're so powerful. Um, but they wouldn't have been as powerful without how Nick Cage navigated that scene. So, uh, again, we talk about often how we want like a best scene category in the Oscars. I think that would absolutely ca- uh, win uh, just a, a full home run on that. So, Nick Cage. Well done. Yeah. Great, great pick. Great pick. And and good insights there, Kirk. That's good. Good stuff. Let's move over to the other side. Um, supporting cast, which was which was thin. You know, there's there's just not a ton of people in this movie, but there are a few standout performers. So I'll be interested to see uh, where both of us went. I feel like I went with sort of like if you saw the movie, you would be like 
this is the main actor and this is the supporting actor. And I went with the supporting actor, which is Alex Wolf, who plays Amir in this movie, which is the guy who is buying truffles from Nicolas Cage. He's like, a, Nick, Nick Cage is effectively his truffle dealer. And um, when his pig gets stolen, Nick Cage works with Amir to try to get it back. And so they're sort of partners in crime on the path to get the pig back. Amir wants the truffles for his business. Um, and he finds out, you know, you, you come to find out that the reason for that is that his father, Darius, is in the same business as him. And he's trying to, you know, show that he can do things on his own, that he doesn't have to work for his dad, that he can blaze his own path. And what unfolds is this really, really rich um, character arc and story behind Amir. Um, the fact that he's, you know, he views Rob as this like very almost repugnant <laughs> character. This guy who lives in the woods, doesn't shower, like hangs out with a pig. Like all he cares about is a pig. What in the world? But he comes to learn that like that love that he has for that pig is realer than anything Amir has in his life. He realizes that his relationship with his father is a shell. And so what you get with Amir's character is this, you know, you, you see him, you watch him as his whole world, his whole perception of reality unravels around him. And Alex Wolf's performance as he goes through that gradually, um, almost at the same time as the audience in a way, is just lovely. It's really well done. It reminds me of like the analogy I thought of. Have you seen when they do this at restaurants, um, really fancy restaurants where they have like a magic chocolate ball thing and they like pour hot coffee oh, yeah. or something on it and it yes. melts away and reveals like the dish. That's what he is. Like he's the chocolate ball and the movie, like the realization of the movie is pouring over him and he's melting away to reveal a whole new character. Um, and the acting performance was stellar. His his emotions were so raw, so real. Um, he, he ends up basically playing two characters in this movie because his character changes so much from the beginning to the end, and he does a stellar job. And this was a true scene stealer for me because I've seen Alex Wolf in a few things. He was recently in uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Old, which I didn't get a chance to check out yet, but my first introduction to him was in uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, mm -hmm. uh, the the re, the reboot, I guess, of that series. And I thought his performance was less than stellar in that movie. And I thought he was just kind of a placeholder, throwaway kind of character. And, you know, I, I just, I, I wasn't overly impressed with that. And I didn't think that he was going to make much. But this performance totally changed my view on what he brings to the table. And I thought it was stellar. So... Alex Wolf, kudos to you. Great job on this performance. It was a close call. It really was because he was fantastic. My scene stealer goes to Mr. David Nell, who plays that once student yeah. uh, for uh, for Rob, for Nicolas Cage, his character. Uh, this guy rolls in. They go, they go to this restaurant. Um, the fight club has already happened. Nick Cage is just bloodied beyond belief. He's in his dirty, nasty old clothes. Uh, you have Amir who's sitting there like dressed to the nines. And he weaseled his way into this restaurant, right? And then you get this chef, Chef Finway. Uh, and he has a big job to do because this movie would work without this exchange that we've already mentioned 
But if it doesn't work, it's that less powerful. This guy is quirky. This guy is weird. But this guy uh, has has a deep understanding of who he really is and who he's really hiding and who he's pretending to be. This guy, David Dell, he's only had 48 credits, but he's been in some, some big stuff. Um, Splash, Turner and Hooch. Um, what's it called? St. Elsewhere, the TV show. Um, Tracy Ullman show. Alf. Like some, some pretty big, like memorable, like side roles that really seemed to stand out to me. Um, some, some things that I want to go back and watch. What's really funny in his history is in that, in the show St. Elsewhere, which was a doctor's show. Denzel Washington is in the series among other many big, uh, cast members who went on to do great things. The episode he was in was in a, an episode called a pig too far. I don't think that's a coincidence, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I think that's a ha ha gotcha from the director. Uh, so all that to say is that, what an incredible responsibility to walk in and be in this role. It probably took a day to film, maybe less, with Nicolas Cage, who probably lived out in the wilderness to get ready for this role <laughs> for a year and just knocked it out of the park. Uh, without this scene, without that dialogue, without that specific care to that um, conversation, the whole movie, I think, falls apart. So bravo. Yeah, it's it's the impact moment. It is the impact moment where, you know, here's this guy who has built this built this restaurant basically in the image of, you know, Nick Cage's character, Rob. This guy was sort of rejected by Nicolas Cage and wanted to, you know, live... To, you can get the sense that he lived his whole life with this chip on his shoulder. I'm going to make the best restaurant in Portland. And here he is, and he's got it. And he's face-to-face -face with the guy who drove him on this path, the person who he's been imagining all this time. And that guy, Rob, Nick Cage, just hits him with the, why didn't you make it a pub, you know, mm -hmm. that you said you were going to build? You wanted to make a pub. You cared about that. Why didn't you do it? And he just melts because mm -hmm. all, you know everything that he's worked for is evaporating around him and he's realizing that he's wasted parts of his life caring about something that's not real because it's not something he loves. It's just something that he was chasing. And man, you're right. You're absolutely right. If, you, if that performance doesn't work, then then the thesis of the movie sort of falls apart right then and there. It's, it's dead upon arrival. So great job. Um, next up, let's talk about Showstopper. For me, when I reviewed this movie on Letterboxd, I called it a masterclass in trusting your audience, which mm. um, the, for me, that's the showstopper. We talk about it a lot. Um, the best way to write a good movie is to trust your audience to the extent that you can. Films that do an excellent job of storytelling always do an excellent job of trusting their audience because you have to be comfortable leaving your audience in the gray for a period of time in order to make the aha moment feel really impactful, euphoric, satisfying uh, to the narrative. And this movie operated so well in that gray, leaving the audience in this limbo state of, okay, I've got some information, but not all. And I'm, I'm, I want to learn more, you know, keeping them in a position where they want to lean forward and learn more versus being like, uh, not interested enough. And that takes guts and it takes skill to keep people in that pocket where they're, they want to learn more, even though they don't know everything and they're not bored. 
right? They're not confused or bored or getting frustrated with it. And this movie sits right in that pocket the whole time. Right from the beginning, they start you with these, um, the movie's fractioned out into like three segments or four segments, and they're all names of courses during a meal. At the beginning, you have no knowledge that he's a chef, no knowledge of any of this stuff. And so when the first chapter hits and it throws up that title card with the meal or like the first course of the meal, you're like, huh? (laughs) You know, what does this mean? But then as it unfolds, you're like, ah, okay, I see what's going on here thematically. And that's sort of a microcosm for the whole movie because they're doing that the whole time, dropping little nuggets for you to want to follow up on. And then when you get to the reveal of why that piece of information was important, they reveal it in such a way that it's like, oh man, what that, that enriches the narrative so much. Um, so it, it's, it's incredible. The, the narrative, frankly, is just really, really well done. And the payoff is excellent. You end up with a really simple yet profound story, something that's impactful, that lives with you. Um, like Kirk said, it, it's powerful stuff that makes you think about the way that you live your life. Think about, I mean, that's, if a film can do that, man, it's, it's really knocking it out of the park. Um, and, and for that, the only reason that it's successful in doing that is because the writers trusted their audience. And I want to give a shout out to the, the story writers on this movie, which is our, um, our director, Michael Sarnoski. This is actually his first really like major feature film. So this is, this is quite a debut. Um, and Vanessa Block, who uh, helped write the story there. So I want to give a shout out to them because they wrote a really beautiful one and one that I think could merit um, Academy Award consideration for sure. Kirk, your you showstopper. Said, you said um, dropping little nuggets. Did you mean truffles? dropping little truffles? I did. You're right. Sorry yes, about you that. Did. You did. Just um, bleep it out and just edit over it. In <laughs> it's, yep. it's all good. Done deal. <laughs> uh yeah the layers are so beautiful um thank you for for articulating you know the what course of the of the meal we were on with this with this movie it's fun to think about the movie as a meal i love that i love that cam my my showstopper for this was the device of the pig substituting for a person and then and then wrapped up also wrapped up in uh, in the narrative of of serving a dish and serving us um, each portion of the story, just like Cam said. So I'll start with the pig versus the, versus the person device because it's very simple for uh, it would have been very simple for them to give Nicolas Cage a daughter uh, that he lived with, or a wife, or a best friend, or a brother that gets taken from him. Um, for I mean, I, we had an underground culinary fight club. Why couldn't they have <laughs> taken him for some kind of debt he owed? Right. Uh, that that's a very feasible thing. And who knows? Maybe that's where the script started, and they ended with the pig. Who knows? But I think the idea of swapping it for a pig makes it all the more interesting. You're like, wait, what? A pig? Okay, it's very easy. We know, we understand human connection. We understand how a relationship can be built that way. But you flip it on its end. You're like, what is he invested in into this pig? What's happened in his past? Uh, what and then what can the audience project on that? Right? Um, did he have a daughter? You know, we get this. You know, we get the leftover, um, the bakery of the of the coworker. Uh, from what I instilled, do we ever hear that that was a relative or it was a former coworker? Do you remember I don't Cam? Remember. 
I don't remember. I feel like it was another partner in the business or like go-to employee. I don't ever feel like it was a was a daughter, which it seems like they're setting you up for uh, when when they start that scene. And when you swap out the pig for a person, you get just so much more opportunity to explore Nicolas Cage's character versus the peril that the person who has been taken uh, and, and their emotions, their well-being, their state of life right so obviously we do come to care about this pig but when we're weighing the options of is the clock running out on the pig or is the clock running out for nicholas cage i think that's fascinating and it was so well done and then you think about that pig right the there's there's all it's all wrapped up the the whole movie is wrapped up in culinary and food in in what we absorb uh in what we um what we need to fuel ourselves while Nicolas Cage's fuel is a pig and there's no pork dishes ever seen in this movie for obvious reasons. Uh, so I think all of that together is pretty fascinating. It, it was just very, very well executed, very, uh, very like sidestep creative. Like it's, it's not in your face. It really is. Again, uh, mine and cams are, are pretty close to one another. It's really trusting your audience to see how this all fits together and, and how it, you can't quite put your finger on it, but it's very, just the themes are, are screaming at you and just really making you think about all of it. And I, I would, I would venture to say the people who don't enjoy this movie really stopped at um, John wick pig. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And I think there are probably a fair number of people who did check out um, because they didn't stay in the pocket that I was mentioning earlier of, I want to learn more, you know, they're giving me nuggets. I want to figure this out. Um, which if you stay along for that ride, it's, it's, it's well worth it. Well worth it. And, and I think you make a good point too. Um, trusting your audience a lot of times doesn't mean necessarily just revealing everything at the right time, but there are some things you just don't reveal at all, you know, mm. and that takes another level of guts is saying, you don't need to know this. You can think about it yourself because this is important in your life for you to be able to relate to this movie that I leave this out so that if we don't know that it's his daughter or, coworker or something, you can put your personal circumstance in and to fill that role. You can fill it with your imagination and enrich the story for your experience. That's, you know, that's next level. That's something that all great screenwriters tend to do. You know, the ones that are, are renowned so that this is, I mean, I just saying that to really drive home that this is a, an excellent screenplay, really well done uh, story and, and, and really well executed. All right, so let's move over to the other side, which is director shoes. We said we have a, a new director-ish on the scene here with a few smaller credits before this film. Um, what notes do we have for the story or the direction or what have you? And I'll, and I'll kick us off, and I'll start by saying that it's going to be nitpicky because my score is in the nines, and when, when you're in the nines, it means you're a really excellent movie but what is it that holds you back from reaching the 10 or, or the high nines or what have you? And I think for me, the scale of this movie is a little too small for uh, um, the story to reach its full potential. Like this movie is powerful as we've talked about, but it doesn't have the weight behind it to be seen by the masses. You know, it's a smaller scale film and the story is, is small in scale in the sense that it's very localized in this one area. It's in this hyper-focused industry. 
of, you know, culinary, the culinary industry in Portland, you know, during X time. So the scale of it's a little too small for it to have mass appeal and to drive home the point of the story in a way, because like we were just talking about, some people are going to check out of this movie. Um, And if they had brought it to a different scale, maybe it wouldn't be the case, but maybe it's harder to tell the story if you don't use an actual pig and et cetera. So maybe it had to be built at this, that scale. Like I said, nitpicky other things. um, There wasn't a, to me, there wasn't like a iconic punch you in the chest kind of moment where it was like, ah, you know, the big cinematic, like this is the, the thesis of the movie. There were multiple points where the thesis was presented and it was powerful, but there wasn't one where it was like, boom, and there's the kicker. There's the one that drives it home and makes you feel this movie for days to come. And so for that reason, it doesn't have the same level of rewatchability. It doesn't have, um, you know, this isn't going to be, you know, like movies that are in the high nines or movies like Jaws, you know, things that like have these big moments and have these iconic things that help them have the staying power. This is an excellent movie and one that I think people should absolutely see. But again, if we're talking the nines, there are some things that it's missing that keep it from reaching its, its full potential in my opinion. But those are, those are just a few of them for me. Mm. Yeah. Uh, beautiful points. I think that if I was the director at the dinner scene at some point, I would have had, um, Nicholas Cage off Amir's dad, just absolutely Ooh. kill him. I think that would have, uh, maybe that's too expected, but I really wanted it to happen because, you know, he's eating there and he's drinking the wine and it's like, Oh, there, he's probably going to poison him because he's a master chef, you know, and that didn't happen. But I really wanted some sort of like shocking, subtle, um, like terrifying Foley artistry to like have him like slit uh, Amir's dad's throat or something crazy like that. I think that what we were missing was a full was a full resolve to this. Um, but such is life. There's no full resolve to Bingo. many things. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but I I think that did I need did I need a, need a full death scene? No, it would have been it would have been cool. It would have been um, that that option. It was on the table um, to take care of. But I, I still, like you said, cinematic, big cinematic moment. Their, their biggest moment really comes at the, at the, the, the what's it called? The, uh, the, the restaurant, restaurant in the middle of the film. It really doesn't come uh, later on. Uh, we get, we get the, a very brief, very brief grief scene where you can project your feelings on, on what Nicolas Cage is feeling, and then the film's pretty much over. Um, I really feel that there there was something missing to the end of this film um there were there were other options um mostly i think um i think kill kill arkin with um with a knife to the throat that would have been wild <laughs> that would have been wild and and kind of awesome but yeah i think i think it sounds like we're we're both saying that there was a there was a punch there was a punch needed and we got you know it it was almost a nomad land type movie where it's like you stay here, you know, and you go up every once in a while in terms of tension, climax, things like that. But you don't really like have the big build, big resolve. Like you get yeah. sort of waves of it throughout. 
Yeah, just like No Bad Land, except this movie was good. I agree. <laughs> oh, I, I fully agree with you. Roasted, roasted, <laughs> roasted. Um, yeah, good stuff. So let's let's dive into our final thoughts and scores. So, Pig, man, I didn't know what to expect coming into this movie. Um, had definitely, you know, I watched it months ago. Had heard rumblings that this was one to look out for if you're a Nick Cage fan. I was like, sign me up. Um, but didn't know what to expect because we had a new director, you know, as I was looking at the cast and, and the billing, I was like, hmm, no idea what, <laughs> what to expect from this. And I was very pleasantly surprised because a lot of times with, with directors who have not done feature films like this, especially one that's heavily dialogue driven, heavily narrative driven, um, and doesn't have a big splashy plot with a big twist or anything like that. Uh, you see mistakes, and there were very few in this movie. I thought that cinematically, it worked. The score was good. The visuals were great. Uh, the style was clear. It was consistent. The pacing was solid. Again, it's a tight 90 minutes. You don't really ever feel bored in that. Um, the, the character arcs were exquisite, lovely. The acting performances were really good. I mean, it's it's it checks a ton of boxes. It really does. And it gives us a really iconic Nick Cage performance that I hope lots of people get to see because it is truly, it, it truly is a really beautiful performance in its simplicity and, and the, the comfort level that he had with this character um, and the way that he built it out. It was really, really well done. Um, for me, it's a 9.0 out of 10. I sort of spoiled that my score was in the nines. It's a flat nine. It's a 9.0 out of 10 for pig. Uh, it's going to be a competitive year in awards season because so many films were in the backlog from the COVID year. And, and so, you know, I think this one will be borderline if it, if it makes the cut for best picture or, you know, an acting or writing award, it'll be borderline, but I wouldn't at all be surprised if it was there on, on the big night Oscars night. So pig 9.0 out of 10 for me. Yes. Um, my grandpa has a farm. And there are no longer farm animals on there because he's older and they are gone. I remember um, all the pigs, all the pigs on his farm and they smelled horrendous. And every time I go to any kind of like small farm, you know, like, oh, come to Grant's farm. We've got little piggies. I think it's disgusting. I think that people who... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that people who get excited about having like uh, baby pigs as their dogs, I think they're crazy. I just want to put that careful, out careful. front here. <laughs> um, but, uh, but seeing Nicolas Cage walk around with this pig was, was adorable because I couldn't smell it. I, I could not smell it. And it was wonderful. I think that um, the hyperbole of the of the culinary fight club was a little was a little exaggerated. Um, it really comes out of left field. Really comes out of left field. But there's lots of arguments to uh, to make it work. Uh, more, probably more than than it doesn't. But it still sits heavily on me. Like, can I really say that the fight club uh, chefs? are part of one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I think I'm there. I think I'm there. Um, I'm not as high as Cam. I'm very close because simply because of that, that scene in the middle, I'll talk about it to the day I die. Now it's so powerful. It's so specific when you're talking to your audience 
don't be general. And this was one of the most specific statements I've ever heard in a film. Uh, this movie gets an 8.8 out of 10 kernels for me. Beauty. Beautiful. That's pig. That's our review of pig. Um, if you haven't seen the movie and you listen to our review, just because you're like, ah, I'm never going to see this movie. I would encourage you to go check it out. I really would. I think it's a, it's a good watch. It's a short watch. So it's not going to take up too much of your time and you'll get something out of it. I think you will. Um, we didn't even talk much about Amir's arc with, with his mom. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, we assume his mom's dead the whole time. We find out that she's, you know, was comatose and that his dad basically gave up on her. And that's why he finds the love between Nick cage and the, and the pig. So inspiring. And it's just, ah, it's beautiful stuff. It's really good human storytelling. Um, to, and, and it's well done. You just have to tip your cap because it's really, really, really good. But that's our review of pig. Um, guys, we're, we're getting ready to hit the ground running with some huge reviews. I mean, huge, huge stuff. We got venom. Let there be carnage coming. Um, I don't know what we're going to do with, with that and the, the Sopranos movie that's coming out. If we're going to do double review or what have you, we'll figure all of that out. Then we got no time to die. Um, Dune is coming. I mean, man, we got, we got no time to waste. We got a lot of big stuff coming out, so it's going to be a good time to lock in on this podcast. Uh, get out to the movie theater, throw on your mask and, and do it. Um, if there's things that are debuting on HBO max, like many saints of Newark, and Dune, uh, if you don't get a chance to go to theaters, check it out on HBO Max and, and join us for the ride because I, for one, am extremely excited about what the next few weeks and months in film are going to look like. Um, we're also following What If week by week. Our Episode 7 recap just dropped today and Episode 8 of the show drops tomorrow. So our recap of that episode will be coming very soon. So keep an eye on that and uh yeah we've got a lot a lot to cover in the next few weeks but as always want to thank you guys for listening want to also thank our executive producer ryan spriggs for helping us out with this podcast and the band rhetoric who wrote our original music which you're about to hear right now check them out on apple music spotify google play whatever we'll see you next time talk to you then <laughs>